When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. You know, I'm kind of worried about starting talking depth chart because who knows? Knowing our man Lincoln Riley, by the time this thing drops, it might be out. Right. But I loved what they did with the depth chart on the game notes. That as makes we one of us. As we, <laughs> as we <laughs> welcome you to the game plan, Toby Rowland back in person. No depth chart yet. No depth chart yet. Yeah. But, but come on. I mean, at the very least, to basically have the little uh, fun that Mike Houck and his crew had with it, <laughs> To have it say almost right. on the page. Now, that's that's pretty creative. It's pretty it's pretty funny. If I didn't need it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even think nah, about I didn't even think good. about you whenever I was joking on my radio show about ah, these podcasts are not uh, these podcasts are for everybody. These depth charts, they're just for, you know, media to haggle about. And I'm like, oh wait a minute. Yeah, no, I really need it. Um <laughs> I I think uh, it's not a big deal, though. Uh, we can guess close enough to start getting uh, charts built and Correct. boards built and everything. And then when it comes out, we'll move it around. So, I'm uh, honestly, I'm just joking. It's not a big deal. Glad you're back. Football's back. You said it yeah. at the end you ready? Of, the, of the press conference show. Yeah, I'm ready. I want a little more time to dig into Florida Atlantic. Uh-huh. Thankfully, as this drops on a Tuesday and – We've got several more days to dive into them. I want to learn a little bit more about what the Owls are all about. They have become probably thanks to their head coach and suddenly his media savviness, one of the most talked about teams that's not in a Power 5 conference in the offseason. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by this matchup. And Don't you think Owls is a weird nickname? for Very unique. Florida Atlantic. Very unique. Very unique. It's like not, it's Florida. You don't right? think of Owls. No. It's Atlantic, which may immediately makes you think of the ocean. Right, correct, correct. I just think Owls was poorly chosen by uh, the Board of Regents of Florida Atlantic. You know what's kind of interesting about mm-hmm. that, that you bring it up? And I don't know. 
I don't know how in depth we want to go on the history of Florida Atlantic football. Probably not very in depth, but it's this is a relatively new team when it comes to college football. Yeah, to Division One college football. Uh, when I mean, I can remember having you know covered the Conference USA for a long time, but Florida Atlantic football is it's pretty new to the scene. What was their? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, do you know what their first season was? I don't. 2001. Yeah. 2001 was the first season of Florida Atlantic Out football. Mr. Schnellenberger back in the Schnelly, day. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Carl Pellini had mm-hmm. a little run as their head coach as well, too. So here's a program that is only been in existence for, what, 18 seasons, 17 years? What? And they're – I think it's one of the more intriguing opening weekend games for a lot of people. It really, their success and UCF's success speaks to the unbelievable pool of talent in the state of Florida. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy how much talent there is there? It's insane. I mean, for Miami, Florida, and Florida State to uh, be the monsters that they are and still be, and, and everybody else in the SEC. To come in and recruit there, and you know Oklahoma's got their fair share of guys from yep. there, and for there still to be enough talent for schools like UCF and Florida Atlantic to be as good as they are is uh, pretty amazing. What do we learn? Uh, by the way, as always, uh, welcome to the podcast. He's Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. I'm Chris Plank. We do this every single. We tape it on Monday, so as soon as the Lincoln Riley press conference wraps up, we run in. Into this very busy room in here, all of a sudden, there's a lot going on. This, in this is the room. official podcast room. It's also we need a sign in here that says "Podcast Studios." We need a yeah. sponsor. We can have a sponsor for the podcast Absolutely. studios to join Allstate in the Riverwind Resort. So we slide in here and we knock things out. What we learned. So what? What did you learn today from Lincoln Riley? Not a lot, and that's um, that's not a shot at all. It's just. It's you know he told us who the H back's going to be. Yep, Carson Meyer, and he told us that the position battles are still ongoing at uh, center and safety, and also Will Linebacker, which was I probably some pretty significant news that Caleb Kelly has not locked down that spot yet. But I mean, it seems like we are. I assume he's telling us the truth. We are five days away from a game, and we still got position battles going on. So um, I think that's uh, pretty fascinating. You know, uh, I think that, you know, the center quarterback dynamic is such an important one that you would think they got to pick one pretty quick just for that comfort level to start, that, that chemistry to start to, get built but man I could see why it's hard you got a red shirt senior and a red shirt freshman and uh this this as Michael Jordan would say the ceiling is the roof for Creed Humphrey <laughs> and uh and Alvarez has seen a lot of football so do you go with the vet or do you go with the kid with a lot of promise there um at the safety spot I think there's four or five guys that have shown well in the fall. My hunch is they're going to settle on Hotnet Barnes as starters, but I wouldn't be shocked if Jordan Parker uh, earned a start. Or, yeah, I guess I would be surprised if Delarian Turner Yell started, but they've bragged about him so much I wouldn't be surprised if he played the, the true freshman back there. But the fact that the Will linebacker spot is up in the air, I mean, give Buzzy Bolton a lot of credit. 
because everyone has assumed, myself included, that that's Caleb Kelly's spot, and maybe he's even an all-conference, all-American type player this year there, and he hasn't won the job yet. So I don't know whether that is reason to be worried about Caleb Kelly's uh, progress at the will spot or if it is just an attaboy uh, that Curtis Bolton has pushed him this far. Can I give both sides of it? Go for it. All right. I think it's part and parcel. Is that, how, is that, is that properly That's used? Right. Okay. Yeah. Working on my analogies, getting ready for a big well season. Well done, yeah. Due to Caleb's health. And not that he's hurt now, but he made this move inside. He didn't go through spring ball. And Curtis Bolton has always been an inside linebacker. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a dude that has messed around. So I think part of it is still him getting used to playing inside. I think the other part of it is that word that we've heard nonstop throughout camp. Competition, man. There has been competition at every position. What did what did Mike Stoops tell Jess? Uh like they're counting on sixteen to seventeen, maybe eighteen guys. I think that's a great number for a defense. I mean, everyone wants to be able to say, oh, 22, 23 guys. But that number seemed to be significantly lower in years past. But you're looking at where I think they're going to be able to rotate some more guys in. And I I, I think there's a little bit of everything going on here. I think it's a credit to how good Curtis Bolton is. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Mm -hmm. I think it's a credit to what Caleb Kelly could be he just hasn't had the reps there. So I think there's a little bit of everything that's going into that decision. I do think it's going to be Caleb Kelly. But, Toby, I think they're going to rotate a lot of guys. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of guys defensively Especially on year. the D-line. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I like Buzzy. I do, too. A lot, especially in blitz packages. And when he can just pin his ears back and go get a quarterback, he's a Tasmanian devil. He's been great for him in special teams the last few years. So I've got – no problem at all with Bolton being on the field more nope. or as a starter or, or in packages or whatever the case may be. It would just be uh, somewhat disappointing, I think, if Caleb Kelly didn't win the starting position being um, as pivotal of this a part of this defense as he is expected to be right. this year. Uh, I, I guess we probably got – and you're probably right. I'm sure the injury has a lot to do with it. We got tipped off to this a little bit when he wasn't one of the guys who went to Dallas because Caleb Kelly is a f- fantastic speaker and uh, a young, a bright young man that uh, represents this university well. So we'll see how that all plays out. Does somebody, I think it was asked in the press conference, if Bolton wins that job, would you consider moving uh, Caleb? And we'll, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. They got. Ryan Jones, a newcomer who looks like he's going to play a lot, and Addison Gums, who saw a little bit of playing time last year, looks like he's going to play a lot. And all you know, I'm to guys around the periphery and in that linebacking course, so it'll shake out the way it shakes out. But I think that's interesting that we're at game week and that spot still hasn't been decided yet. Man. Who's going to be the center? Oh gosh, that's t- I re- I'm a big Jonathan Alvarez guy. I've always enjoyed Jonathan because I think he is, I think he's hardworking. I think he's got a chance to play at the next level. I I think they've got two guys that might not start on this offensive line that could end up playing at the next level in Creed Humphrey and Jonathan Alvarez. And one, yeah. one of them will, one of them won't. And I just his versatility is something that's always impressed me. Beanbow has said he's 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 obviously found a, a niche at center. 
But, man, that ceiling, you said ceiling is the roof. That ceiling seems so limitless with a guy like Creed Humphrey. Right. You brought up the spring game last year a lot. and It's just ragdolling, guys. Unreal, right? Unreal to watch him. And You know, you think of, a, of an offensive line. I like Jonathan Alvarez, too, but I'm fascinated with Creed Humphrey. I'm too. You th- an offensive line is built a certain way. Your tackles are your biggest guys. Yep. It's like a V. <laughs> tackles are your 6'5 to 6'8, 330-pound guys. Your your uh, guards are usually a little smaller, a little more bowling ballish mm-hmm. body types, and your center is usually your smallest guy. Gabe Eichard, Ty Darlington. No offense, guys. No offense. No, that's just a normal offensive line. What it looks like. Creed Humphrey is a monster. Yeah. And if he wins that job, he will be physically, statistically, the largest offensive lineman. <laughs> oh, you has. As their center. center. He's 6'5", 335, something like that. He's a mountain of a human being. So um, I don't know who's going to win it. I have no idea who deserves to win it, but uh, I'm fascinated when and if Creed gets his shot, whether it's this year or next, uh, to just see what that looks like. What does a 6'5", 335 center look <laughs> like? You know? You're, you're not going to see Kyler Murray nah. if he's the guy. I mean, he's, he could literally hide behind Creed Humphrey. I like that we found out who our quarterback's going to be this week. I'm glad that did, or this past week. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about it on Friday's podcast, but I'm really excited. I, I got caught in that YouTube hole of football wanted this week and just watching highlights of Kyler Murray from his days at Allen, Texas, to his early time at Texas A&M. Heck, we've seen, we've seen some highlight moments here in just a short time at Oklahoma. I, I'm really intrigued. You you had a chance to really get to know Kyler. I think everyone that truly covers baseball got to know Kyler a little bit differently than you get to know at football. He had a lot of fun playing baseball and yeah. got rewarded for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. You got a glimpse of it at that press conference when uh, when he was named the starter. The smile on his face. Yep. Um, he's a really happy-go-lucky, fun-loving kid. And if you ever got the chance to, you know, he had a lot of games this year where he had the big hit or he was the star of the game. And afterwards, he's he's uh, always fun to talk to, and um, he's always cutting it up with Steel Walker and the guys. And he's a he's a fun kid. He's different than Baker, but he um, enjoys life. Kyler really enjoys life. So, you know, his skill set is one that it's impossible not to be um, excited about how electric he possibly could be and how does Lincoln best take advantage of that Uh, you know he's as quick as they come and as fast as they come and he's got a rocket of an arm and you know how does Lincoln try to make him into a quarterback that can lead this team to a, a national championship I think it's interesting I am worried about him making it through a whole year without getting dinged up because he hasn't done it yet. He wasn't able to make it through a baseball season without getting dinged up. So I'm concerned about that a little bit, and I would, I'm would, i sure that Austin Kendall knows that and Lincoln Riley knows that, and, and uh, AK is going to have to stay ready. But hopefully he can. I'm just saying it's, it's a concern because he's going to take some hits running the football, and he's had some – hamstring issues in the past and um 
hopefully he can stay out there for the long haul, and he's smart when he is in the open field. I'm just sitting here. Do you have to be gone? Do you have to be over there by 2 o'clock as we're taping this? Over where? To your remote today. 3 o'clock. Oh, okay. As we're ta- I'm sitting here, we're just rolling. <laughs> I look down, it's one thirty. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, two more quick ones, yeah. and then we'll wrap it up. And by the way, we bring you the Lincoln Riley press conference to wrap things up. 36, 37 minutes of Coach Riley. So uh, we'll put a bow tie on this with Lincoln coming up in just a bit. Uh, I ask a lot about Benny Wiley because I dig the dude. I dig the man he is. I dig seeing the kind of person he is, the father he is. They've used his voice on the video stuff. I mean, it's uh, what a difference he's made in some of these guys. It's kind of cool to see a strength coach that whenever you're watching guys work out, he's right there with them and keeping up with them too, if not surpassing them. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's awesome. Now, he's a a great addition to this program. And uh, we all love Schmitty, and certainly that's nothing Absolutely. against Schmitty at all. We're going to miss him around here big time. But Benny is great. And uh, if you have had a chance to, if you haven't had a chance to see an interview with him or or listen to him speak, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, I could understand how he could be a phenomenal motivator. Uh, he motivates me just listening to him do an interview. <laughs> I want to get up and go run a mile or seven. So. I hope, and you and I talked about this, I hope he is a guy that is made available to the media a lot. Agreed. In, you know, television show settings and radio show settings and things like that because I think he's a tremendous representative for this football program. He speaks extremely well, very articulate, fascinating to listen to. And a guy who's kind of made for our medium. I mean, Absolutely. He's, he's done the reality show thing. He understands television and radio and all that kind of stuff. So Schmidt always kind of operated in the in the shadows. That's where he was comfortable. He wasn't. He would, you know, on game day he'd be down there hooting and hollering, but he didn't do much TV or anything like that. I hope Benny is a part of the regular rotation so that Sooner fans can get to know what a what a special guy he seems to be. And I'll wrap it up with this because we've done podcast interviews together. We talked on the phone. We haven't got to be mono mono here. I mean that in a good way. Favorite part of the off season for you? It was it was it seems like it was incredibly short because you went straight from baseball. You were uh, on a boat for about a week I'm, and a half. I'm going to pick that. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, my wife and I, Jenny and I, had the opportunity to represent OU this summer uh, as we traveled to Alaska with uh, several OU alums, a great contingent of OU alums. It was a Big 12 cruise, and so all the schools took contingents, and we were asked to host the OU contingent. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was the trip of a lifetime. Awesome. We didn't know a lot of the people we were traveling with when we went. But by the time that those 10 days were over, we have made some friends for life. Vern Lundquist, uh, the great announcer, was on the boat with us. And an opportunity just to bend his ear and listen to him tell stories was a chance of a lifetime. And um, seeing Alaska is unbelievable. I mean, it's just so grand and it's massive. I mean, it's just (laughs) it's unbelievable. So I'm going to pick that. We we were excited about that trip. I don't think we understood exactly uh, how kind of uh, life-changing it would be. So I hope we get to go again someday. 
but just to get to represent OU in a in a fashion like that, something we haven't been asked to do before, and we loved it. What's uh, we missing anything? No depth chart yet. Quarterback. I would just like to uh let people know that you and I will be on the air at 9 a.m. Yes. on Saturday morning. <laughs> Sooner uh, radio broadcast back this year. Two hour pregame as always. So 9 a.m. live from Fan Fest. We'll get you ready ready for. The uh, season kickoff against Florida Atlantic on Saturday, and uh, here we go again. Tuesday night, Coach's Corner. Well, yeah. tonight, the, the, this this will drop just for the subscribers right after midnight, Monday night. You have Coach's Corner, yep. which is coming up. Uh, what time you guys get started? 6 o'clock with the huddle, then 7 o'clock with Lincoln? That's right. Yep. Live from Rudy's? Correct. Good barbecue. Come join us live. Be in the studio audience. On Thursday, we will have the Coach's Corner. Who's on this week? I just sent that, and I've already yep. forgot. Tim Kish and Jay Bulware. Okay. No, 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 no. Tim Kish and Bill Beanbow. Okay. Jay Bulware and Ruffin McNeil are our post-game All right. guests that we'll have, so we'll look forward to that. And then Friday tradition still for you? Going to head up to the box, kind of get set up? Probably probably go do some homework up in the booth a awesome. little bit and uh, see if we can get ready to go on Saturday morning. we got to go get our pillows. Did you already get yours? I have mine. And? I have slept on it the last two nights. Uh-huh. It might be life changing. Wow. Well, we'll have to tell you more game, about that. It next might week. be a game changer. Really? I'm yeah. going over to grab mine right now. Yeah. We would like to thank those of you in Poland, Canada, the United Kingdom, Japan, and Australia. The five non United States countries that have downloaded this podcast. By the way, that reminds me um, you know, uh, we have an unbelievable 30, how many affiliates are we up to now? 30, oh, gosh. 36, yeah, 36. Somewhere in there. But uh, and and if you are in the state of Oklahoma, please find the radio affiliate that you can listen to the game on on Saturday. But if you are one of those in Poland or or Canada or wherever, don't forget we was it last year we started the TuneIn app. Yes, and absolutely it exploded, free. and uh, I think we were the number two or three university in America as far as how many people were listening to our games on TuneIn last year. So uh, get the TuneIn app today so that by Saturday it's ready to roll and. You can listen to uh, the games that way for free. Hey, and let's go, Oklahoma. In the last 30 days, the uh, Sooner Sports podcast has been downloaded more in Texas than it has been in Oklahoma. That's crazy <laughs> stat. Dallas, though, that's the Sooner fan base down in Dallas, Texas. Toby, have a great start to the week, and uh, enjoy the countdown to game day. Should be fun. All right, thanks, buddy. Lincoln Riley from his press conference to wrap things up here on the game plan. Exciting time for us. You know, we're thrilled to get back on the field and play against somebody else. You know, it's kind of hard sitting there watching all these – NFL preseason games or even, you know, high school scrimmages, you see clips online, you know, everybody else in the world's getting to practice or, or you know, against somebody else. And we've got to wait till the first game, but we're, we're glad that it's finally here. You know, this team is very hungry, very excited to go play and obviously got a great opponent coming in here, uh, you know, in FAU. Uh, really impressed as, as we studied them throughout the offseason and then here as of late, really, really impressed with with their program, you know what Coach Kiffin and that group have done, the transformation that's happened there over the uh, over the last uh, last couple of years is pretty remarkable. Um, I remember watching them, you know, being in similar leagues, similar level uh, when I was at East Carolina a few years ago, and just the the change first in the talent base that they have there. Uh, their, their talent level is is very very good. You know, they've brought in. Uh, a number of transfers. They've had uh, recruited well. They've hit on some guys there in state, you know, which you expect in the state of Florida. Um, and you turn on the film and you see a very talented football team. You also see a very, very old football team. Uh, a lot of experience coming back. One of the most experienced teams in the country. Um, so 
They're going to be a great challenge. Uh, I think they are without a doubt uh, easily one of the top 20, 25 teams in the country. N no question about it. I just very, I can't say how impressed I've been with them. And, and I think our guys, they've had a chance to watch them on tape, certainly have a lot of respect for what they do and realize the challenge that we're going to face here this Saturday. So it's a great way to open the season and uh, certainly one that we're looking forward to. A um, couple things. Uh, on on our roster, uh, I know we'll release a depth chart later in the week. So I'm sorry we don't have one yet. We could put Aura on there 50 times right now, but that doesn't help you guys a ton. So we'll uh, we'll get something to you here a little bit later as some of these some of these jobs start to uh, start to clarify going into game week. A uh, couple of injury notes: uh, uh, both Joe Castiglione Jr. and Sam Ihiki, uh both. Uh, have had uh, some injuries that will hold them out here for a while. Joe's will be for the season, had, a, had to have a shoulder surgery. Sam is, has an ankle injury, uh, missed the majority of the season, potentially get him back later on, uh, uh, you know, maybe a bowl game, something like that. Uh, and then our only uh, uh, injury uh, update for this game uh, particularly would be Charleston Rambo. He'll be questionable for this game. He's got a lower, lower body injury. Um, that we'll, uh, we'll see how he does throughout the week. So everybody else doing well, uh, very healthy, and uh, excited to get rolling. So a uh, couple other just notes I would say on FAU. You know, there's a couple of guys that, you know, really, really stand out on tape. You know, offensively it starts with their tailback, you know, Singletary. I mean, he's, you know, as you look forward to this season, you sit there and say, man, this lines up to be a year where we're going to play a lot of really good tailbacks. Um, and this guy's – Absolutely at the top of the list. I mean, he uh, over 1,900 yards last year, which that's hard to do anywhere, anytime. Um, shows, you know, big playability, shows consistency, very tough to bring down. And then Lane and those guys have done a tremendous job scheme-wise of building it around his talents. So he'll, he'll definitely be, uh, he'll be tough to handle, no question about it. Uh, top guys defensively, uh, there's several that stand out with so many returning players, but of course the middle linebacker uh, Shire is, is phenomenal. I would say I would say if we played him last season, the only maybe guy that was that played on his level would be the Roquan Smith from Georgia. I mean, you're talking about a you're talking about a fantastic player, one of the nation's leader and ta uh, leading tacklers uh, all over the field. Smart, great tackler, just really, really stands out. And then the safety Jalen Young really stands out as well. Um, you know, an elite kind of ball skill guy. Also does some things for them in the return game. Another very good tackler, um, and they've really done a great job with that defensive skill. I mean, a ton of those guys back, they run, they hit. Um, you know, I really, I, I knew they were going to be a good team. I mean, obviously, you don't, you know, win 11 games, win your league, go on the run that they did, and they really separated from a ton of their opponents there at the end of the year. You don't do that without being a really good football team, but you turn off the film, you see, you know, they've really done a good job bringing in some great players. So. Uh, Going to be a fun test. Looking forward to it. And uh, with that, we'll take questions. Can you clarify Kyler Murray's deal with Oakland? Does he have one year or can he play another year? Uh, I can't clarify that, no. Why? Uh, because that's Kyler's deal. That's Kyler's business. Um, I think everybody right now needs to stay focused on this year. And then after this year's over, he, everybody else that he wants to involve with it will figure it out from there. This is probably why you didn't put out a depth chart, but you had Kyler last week. What is your situation at center, you know, at the will linebacker in the safety spots? 
Uh, I would say still open at all three. You know, center, center without a doubt. You know, we're still looking at both those guys. Uh, we'll practice here throughout the week and then probably make a decision as we, as we get a little bit closer to game time. Will, Will linebacker still the same? You know, I think both Caleb Kelly and uh, Curtis Bolton have done a tremendous job there. Uh, that's been a, a really fun battle to watch here throughout the throughout uh, camp. You know, getting now having Caleb back healthy, uh, I would imagine they'll both play some, but still haven't made a determination yet on, on which way we're going to go as far as who starts the game. Uh, safety a little bit the same way. Um, we've had a couple of guys that you know were nicked up through camp. Um, nothing serious, but it's we've now here for the last few days been able to get everybody back on the field. Get a chance to reevaluate those guys, and we'll we'll start to narrow that down here in the next few days. What has stood out about Justin Royals at the same spot? Uh, first would be just the consistent energy he brings to practice. You know, you always know he's there. Um, he's a great communicator. Um, brings a lot of juice to our group, um, and has been a playmaker back there. You know, he's got. He's got cover skills. You know, we brought him in originally as a corner, um, so he, he absolutely can cover uh, from the safety position, which is hard to find. But then he's also shown the ability to come up, be a good tackler, uh, done a good job in his run fits as well. So uh, he's a good overall player, uh, young player that's still growing, but you, you like his energy and you like his potential a lot. Kyler's throwing ability overall. You know, you talk about Baker and you say he can make all the throws. Not comparing him to Baker, but how do you just evaluate overall his passing ability? Uh, it's very strong. You know, we we certainly wanted wouldn't have named him the starter without that. Uh, he's got a he's got a very strong arm. Uh, really spins the ball well. He's he's very accurate. Um, I think for him, it's going to be. Just now settling into game situations and translating from you know what we've seen from in the on the practice field, translating that over to the game field. But he he knows what we're doing. He's a very confident thrower. Um, you know, I, I'd say there's there's not anything that we've done throwing wise in the last few years uh, that I wouldn't be prepared to do with with Kyler or Austin. Lincoln's Justin Royals. Um, I mean, with this new redshirt rule. Situations like he had being a highly touted recruit, having to sit out, that's not going to happen anymore. A guy like that would be able to play from now on. But considering he did have to sit out, how did he approach that? And, and what do you think he's most benefited from having set out all last year? Well, like most competitors, he was he was pretty disappointed when we first decided it last year. Um, but he, he got over it quickly. He did. And he uh, he's changed his body. Uh, he, he, you know, a lot of those guys, they get so much more time in the weight room because you're not saving them up for a Saturday game. So you're able to be much more aggressive with the offseason plan. So that that definitely helped. And I think he's he's really prided himself on becoming a student of the game. He's really studied the game. He studied our game plans last year, even though he wasn't playing and knew that he wasn't. Um, and that's good. That makes a difference, you know. And, and yeah, it's a shame that this was, rule wasn't in effect because he was one of those guys each week last year. We would kind of have that talk about, like, do eh, you think we should pull it? Should we not? We ended up staying healthy enough that we never did, uh, but we were close several times. But he, he's done a great job, and I think it's a, a good lesson for all those guys that redshirt or maybe don't come in here and play immediately like they all dream of doing that, you know, even when you're not playing, you've got you to stay the course. You've got to continue to prepare like you are, and that will help set you up for when the time comes. About how you're going to use the redshirt rule in terms of will you just try to throw guys in or will you try to hold them and maybe if their injury needs are there, I mean, yeah. we'll sort of address that yeah. internally. Yeah, we've had a we've had a lot of discussions about it and a lot of it in the beginning for us was just 
you know, what are our core, you know, kind of principles going to be on it? You know, what are our core beliefs? And then you got to go down each each guy on the roster that's got a red shirt available and just kind of prioritize, you know, is it giving this guy games to get him reps? Is he a guy that could potentially, you know, provide us some needed depth at the end of the season and trying to have a plan for each guy going in? So uh, there's going to be a lot of strategy to it. I'm sure it'll evolve a lot as the season goes on and injuries happen or guys emerge. And so uh, I think we've got to be ready to adjust too. Which freshman do you expect to have significant roles on Saturday? I'm sorry, say it one more time. Which freshman do you expect to have significant roles on Saturday? Uh, that one's I, – I get you got to ask the question, um, but also now with the world of red shirts and how we use these, it becomes a little more strategic on our part. Um, and so uh, that's just something that our, our fans will have to see on Saturday. What about Drake Stoops? Uh, yeah, Drake's done a good job. He's uh, he's competed well. Uh, he's got some playmaking ability that shows up, makes some plays that that you wouldn't expect, you know, any guys to make. You know, just kind of some wow plays that show up. He's still, like most freshmen, got to become more consistent. You know, with the speed of the game and understanding everything we want to do offensively. But we've got a little bit of a uh, a nice battle kind of brewing there at the inside receivers with. You know, with him, uh, with with Michael Jones back, you know, with uh, Nick Basquin back, Miles Tease has been uh, tremendous here over spring and camp. Calcaterra, Lee Morris, uh, it, it's a pretty interesting group. So we're still sorting through kind of who we're going to play. Some of that will depend on this week, but uh, you know, we've got we've got some good options there. You seem pretty confident with your linebackers, just in depth there. If it became a case where. Buzzy Bolton ended up starting at will. Would you think about moving Caleb back over to the Sam just to get a little bit more experience at the starting position there? Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I think uh, I think some of that will depend on you know what personnel groups we play in. I think it'll depend on how those guys do early in the year. But our plan right now is to is to you know play both uh, both Curtis and and Caleb at will, and then that'll be our starting point. If we've got to adjust from there, then we will. Talk a little bit about the confidence factor you have in the cornerbacks this year. The corners, yeah, a lot of a lot of confidence. You know, I would say, you know, definitely more than than going in last year. I think just because we've got more, you know, more proven bodies. You know, Motley's played a lot of ball for us, and I think he's really been one of the standouts. I would say so far defensively throughout camp. I think he's primed to have a big year. Uh, just play more consistent. Um, just. I think he's in a pretty good place right now, so excited for him. And then, you know, playing both those true freshmen last year, you know, that was big for us. And, and that, you know, Trey Brown and Trey Norwood both got a ton of experience, a ton of game reps. They both uh, played extremely well at corner. And then Trey Brown was obviously a standout for us on special teams as well. And so we got we got a great competition going on there. You know, I think a, 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 a big decision for us will be kind of who emerges at that fourth corner spot right now. You know, Miguel Edwards is a guy that, I think you know that we're certainly going to look at on it, but it's uh, you know th those first three are pretty pretty solid right now. Lincoln, you talked all the way back in Frisco, kind of about what's like motivating young guys in this day and age. I'm curious when you talk about developing toughness through preseason, is that something that's still always a big concern for coaches to see what, how physical the team is going into a season? Absolutely, absolutely, and you know the way the. You know, with not having two a days and so many of the different rule changes now, there's uh, it's you, you've had to adjust. You know, maybe how you develop that throughout camp, uh, and then how you evaluate it as well. And so, uh, 
And I think that's always important for us here because in Oklahoma, that the program's always been based on that toughness. You know, the great teams here have always had that edge and that mindset about them, both physically and mentally. And uh, so I think we all recognize that that this team is going to have to have that. Um, I, I've seen some early promising signs, but you've also got to see it on Saturdays too. And uh, so we'll find out here shortly. What about Bookie? Uh, is he going to be at nickel, one of the safeties? How are you going to use Bookie? Yeah, we'll probably play him in the nickel. He can also play some safety for us as well. Um, so some of it will depend on, you know, again, which kind of which groupings we're in the most. But I would, you know, I feel like right now he, we would look for him to start in the nickel and then potentially move around if, if needed. But he's, uh, he's a pretty versatile guy. You know, he can do a lot of different things, but he's definitely a gifted nickel without a doubt. Thinking back to tough openers, you guys lost. You weren't the head coach, but losing down at Houston, recovered and all that. Mm -hmm. But you've talked a lot about fast starts. You've got a tough team, you're saying, coming in here. Where do you think this club is mentally and, and being ready to, for a serious challenge? I think they're in a good place. You know, we've carried over a lot of the same principles uh, that we had from last year as far as the emphasis of the early season schedule uh, in camp. You know, how important it is for this team to get off to a good start. And I would argue it's maybe even more important for this group, again, because we are so young um, at so many positions and so many you know, guys playing either their first real game experiences or first game experience at all. And so uh, it's definitely going to be critical. And this, this non-conference schedule just presents so many different challenges than it did last year. You know, you could argue one's tougher or one's not, but they're, you know, we're, we're getting ready to play three good teams. First one up here is FAU, and, and uh, so it's going to be important for us. We need to play great. We need to have a great home crowd. We need a big-time home field advantage. I mean, uh, everybody needs to come do their part, us included, on Saturday, and let's, let's go get off to a great start. What familiarity do you have with Lane Kiffin? Do you guys know each other at all, and then how have you kind of followed the different stops in his career? Yeah, never met him. Uh, we've talked on the phone uh, briefly, texted back and forth a few times, but interaction's been pretty limited. Uh, but yeah, definitely a guy I've followed. You know, he's done a great job offensively at all his different spots. Um, obviously a guy that got a lot of responsibility at different places at a young age, so that's always been somebody that, you know, guys like that that I've tried to look to and, and learn from. But. Yeah, I mean, the guy offensively has a great record, and obviously he's done a tremendous job as a head guy there, so uh, a guy that I have a lot of respect for. What about your thoughts about Charlie Weiss, Jr.? He was your age, basically, taking over a program as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, no, it's I, another guy that I don't know personally, knew his dad a little bit, uh, but, but really uh, you see, again, what he's done at a young age. He's been given a lot of responsibility, you know, and I – I don't know Lane well, but I think I know him well enough to know he wouldn't give somebody that responsibility if he didn't see something in them. So uh, he's obviously earned, earned Lane's trust. He's done a great job at other spots. I, we have a lot of kind of mutual friends, and everybody that I know speaks very highly of him. So looks like he's one of the true up-and-comers in this business. When, when you have to make a decision like It's kind of weird me talking about up-and-comers, isn't it? Go ahead, sorry, Jason. Oh, that's all right. When, when you have to uh, make a decision like dismissing Chris from the team, and now he's coming back, do you do you keep up with with those guys? Do you do you root for them? How, sure. how do you handle that? Yeah, especially especially a guy like him because I recruited him, you know, and and uh, got to know his family so well. Um, great people, and Chris is a great kid, you know. I just um. It's unfortunate that it, it didn't work out here. I hate that it didn't, uh, but I'm I'm happy for him because it's you know really seems like he's found a you know a good fresh start and from all accounts is doing a great job there. So I definitely keep up with them. I mean I 
you know, I obviously this is a competitive situation this week, and we're going to, you know, try to make it tough on him or whoever plays. But I, I wish him the best of luck. I want him to do great. I hope they win every game after ours, and I hope he, he plays lights out. And uh, I've got nothing but, like I said, respect for him and his family, and I uh, wish him nothing but the best. Last year, you said at the end of the year, you had to get better on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that now? I'm excited. You know, I, the first before. You know, the personnel is obviously a factor. And I know I've talked about, you know, that part a bunch as far as recruiting, adding more talent and more depth there. And I think we're – I'm excited to see how it shows up on Saturday, but I really I, I really feel good about it. And I, probably the thing I feel best so about our defensive line is just the overall mentality of the group right now is, is different. It's uh, – you know, I think us as a staff now being together here for a whole year, I think them getting to have a full year of, of you know, both Coach Thibodeau and Coach McNeil, you know, there together and being able to t- kind of take the best uh, from each one of those guys. And then we've got just some young leaders in that group, you know, Kenneth Mann, uh, Amani Bledsoe, uh, Dylan Fahmatow. Those guys have really, really kind of assumed that group and really taken over. And I just, I just feel like mentality-wise, we're in a great place. I think we're improving faster. I think we're playing better as a whole. We've got some young guys, but they're extremely talented. The depth is probably as good as it's been since since I've been here. Um, so I'm. We know that's got to go from being just a good, solid group for us to being an elite group. And uh, you know, I'm certainly counting on us taking steps to do that. And feel like we've got a group that can do it. Who's your deep snapper, and who are you going to run on your return game? Deep snapper's still looking at. Uh, we brought in a couple of guys uh, uh, in the offseason that are pretty good. Then I've had Casey Keller here um, that's that's done a nice job as well. Um, so going to continue to evaluate those guys here this week and see where it plays out. Um, return game as well. Still a little bit of wait and see. You know, we've got, you know, between, you know, CD, Marquise, uh, Rodney, those guys at punt return. I've uh, still got a, a number of kickoff return guys, and we'll probably try to rep a few different guys. But, you know, I think Marcel Sutton certainly going to be involved. I think, you know, Pledger will be involved. I think Michael Jones has a chance to be involved. So, uh, I'm going to, as we kind of get our game plans in here, we'll see which one best fits our returners. We called uh, the defensive line. Uh, what you're talking about, the qualities you're talking about, is that something at all that's tangible during practice? Do you see uh, better attitudes or whatever improve? Uh, in between practices, or how can you quantify that? Yeah, you just, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, to me, one of the groups here over the last few years that just has consistently, the mindset, mentality behind the groups that has consistently been really good has been our offensive line. You know, and part of it comes from, you know, having the same offensive line coach for the last few years. Uh, part of it comes from, I think we had some pretty strong leadership, even though, you know, like my first year here, we weren't ultra talented on the offensive line, but we had some strong leadership. We had some good solid players that were seniors. We had some young guys like Orlando and Drew that were playing that were still, you know, puppies that were still trying to figure it out. But the overall mentality and all that the group I think made them continually improve where um, I feel like that's something we've been trying to build with our with our defensive line. Um, and you can just kind of feel it when you're around them all the time. It's, I think it's, you know, how do they respond to a bad practice? How do they respond to a bad play? Um, are the coaches having to do all the leading or is there some alpha dogs in the group that will bring the group up, particularly when things aren't going well and help guys get back on track or guys that 
maybe when you can't be around them in the summer that are that are making guys do the extra things that are setting the tone uh, when coaches can't be there. That's when you get that going in a group and you keep that going, then even in your years where maybe you're not your most talented, you still got a chance to play well. And then when you are very talented, you got a chance to play elite. And so, and I think it more than anything, it helps develop consistency. And that's a word we've used for our defensive line and, and, and really for our whole defense as far as a goal for us that we've had these really bright moments where we've played extremely well, we got to do that more often. And uh, so I think you got to have that mentality. You got to have that leadership within the groups. And I, I, I'm very encouraged by what I've seen uh, as far as our defensive line group in that regard. I think probably for a guy coming from the Leach coaching tree, you, you probably rely on the run more than people might have expected you would. How has your play calling evolved through the years? It seems like your offenses have run more as you've progressed. Yeah, you know, we just, I, I would say I've certainly, you know, become more knowledgeable in the run game and, and more comfortable, maybe is a better word. And that's, you know, a lot from just the guys I've worked with here, you know, Coach Beanbow, Coach Bulware, Coach Gundy from being the running back coach here for so long, Coach Beamer now. I mean, those guys have had extensive, you know, extensive they've extensive knowledge and they spent so much time in different systems within the run game that there's a a lot of guys you can draw on there so you know we've been able to piece something together here in the last few years that's allowed us to run the ball well and then so i think there's a just being comfortable and having some great guys in the room there uh and then i would say the other part of it is just the personnel we've had here it's made sense i mean we've always had great backs and great offensive linemen in oklahoma and you know we're going to do our best to continue that but uh I've really enjoyed it. I, I've I've honestly gotten where I probably enjoy the run game more than the throw game, just from you know a game planning and studying perspective. It's uh, maybe maybe I got too much passing all those years at Texas Tech and get sick of it. Um, so, uh, but no, it's been it's been fun. It's been fun to see us get better at both, and it certainly you know made us I think a little tougher to defend. Is Rodney Anderson in the same class now with Mixon and T. Ryan? He's he's I would say yes. You know, I would say based on the way that he played last year and said the second half of the season, the way he's performed in the off season, uh, he's skill sets different in some ways, but I mean, he's an elite player. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, I think he's teed up to have a great year. This is a branch of the air raid. What do you, do you have a name for this offense? No, <laughs> get asked at a bunch. No, I don't. I mean, just, you know, hopefully just a championship offense. You know, that's, that's, that's all I care about. Like, you're confident in, in what Kyler could do running the offense. You talked just a second ago about Rodney Anderson. How important is it to have a guy like that, though, when you're breaking in a new quarterback? It helps. No, it helps. It's, uh, you know, takes pressure off those guys. Um, you know, they don't have to execute every single snap. Um, you know, knowing, too, that you can put pressure on a defense that way and then maybe get you some favorable looks, you know, in the throw game for guys. Um, it makes a big difference, you know, the play action game so much better. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, I think it really helped Baker throughout the years. You know, if you really look, you know, when Baker started to really play well, uh, you know, midway through his sophomore year was kind of in tune when we, when we started running the ball well. I mean, I, it's hard to just sit back there and throw. You know, people are too good. Uh, defenses are too good, especially the ones that we play. You know, it's. Uh, Tough to protect, tough to read it right every single time. And so uh, you got to be able to take some of that pressure off and make people 
if people can just sit there and tee off on you one or the other, it's going to eventually it's going to catch up with you. So we've you know we've been able to keep people a off balance that way, and hopefully we can keep doing that. With your confidence in Kendall, will you change anything in terms of you know it's it's basically been the starter is going to play you know until, unless until it gets to be a runaway or he's injured. Will you change that any because of your confidence in him maybe or the situation? I certainly have a lot of confidence in him, and I think I think any times in those situations, you just you know we, we've obviously got to get the production. I mean that's 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 got to happen, and so whoever's in there's got to play well. I do have uh, confidence that if there was a reason to put to put um, Austin in the game, that he would go in and play well. But I'm you know I. I'm not, I've never been a guy that's going to go give a quarterback a short leash. I mean, that's not, you know, you can't play the position that way. You're going to make some mistakes. Um, you got to live with some of those. And uh, now they can't make too many. And that's, we, I think we all have an idea of kind of where that line is, you know, internally. And, uh, but I don't expect that'll happen. But uh, we've got two capable guys. You never know how the games are going to shake out. You never know how the season's going to shake out. And chances are we're going to need both of them to play for us and play well. Have you tweaked the offense with Kyler's running ability compared to what you've been doing the last couple of years at all? Oh, you know I'm not going to answer that. Come on. Come on. It's not my first year anymore. No, uh, yeah, we're always going to try to fit it to our guys. You know, what we do or don't do, we'll, we'll see here soon. Lincoln, last year as you went through it, how many tweaks did you have to make to be both a head coach and an offensive coordinator? And, how much have you kind of thought about that through the offseason, trying to make you know improve on that this year? Yeah, uh, I tried to make as little as possible last year. You know, it was almost more just kind of survival and just tried to not worry about the things I couldn't control or things that you know maybe I needed a full year calendar to really kind of sink my teeth into. And so, uh, yeah, this year I would say a little bit better overall grasp of that. Been able to do you know a few more team things. Um, you know, help be involved when I can on the other sides of the ball. So I think um, having a little bit more of an idea of kind of how it goes, um, being able to, you know, even like during the spring period this year where, you know, I can't go out and recruit like I did the previous year, having a lot of time to do some of the work and be caught up so I can spend more time uh, in different places without the, you know, throughout the program. So I think I've been able to diversify a little bit more this year and it's certainly been a little more, a little more steady for me. Assume that the hardest guy to replace is the Heisman Trophy winner. But when I think about Dimitri Flowers and all that he brought to you guys, what's the challenge in trying to fit that, fit that, you know, all those different things that he did for you guys a year ago or the last few years? No, no question. He was, I mean, yeah, hard to put a price tag on him the last few years. He was so valuable and, and definitely one of the toughest guys to, to replace. But I really just, I like where that group is. You know, we've, those guys came into a good situation where you know Carson has played you know quite a bit for us. Uh, he has taken a million reps around there, and he has been he's easily playing the best ball of his life right now. He's going to start at that position. He's earned it. I mean, there's you know no question about that. Um, so excited for him and his opportunity. Um, and he brings an intriguing skill set. That's you know there's some things he does differently than Dimitri that I think we're going to be able to use and, and, and do some good things with. Uh, and then Jeremiah, it actually worked out perfect last year for him to be able to redshirt. We didn't know if we were going to be able to. Uh, very, very smart kid, very talented. Um, so we've created 
a little more depth than what we've had at that position. Uh, excited about their skill sets, and it was great for them the last few years to be able to learn with Dimitri. And Dimitri did a great job of getting himself ready to play, but also helping to prepare those guys too. So I think they've had a good example set forth. And and then I, the last thing I would say on it is just the way we've divided up the staff now. You know, with having Shane there with those guys all the time. Um, you know, Jay did a great job with them the last few years, but Jay's. As we've talked, Jay's schedule was, was, was pretty tight. His time was divided up in a lot of different areas. So I think that increased emphasis from the coaching staff has probably helped as well. What ways um, off the field has going to Kyler Murray helped go through kind of a, just basically instead of it being handed to him in the spring, the quarterback spot, how is having a tough uh, quarterback battle taught him to grow off the field? Uh, I mean, competition's always good. I mean, I think that's – he knew coming here that, you know, that there was going to be competition um, and, and didn't shy away from that, neither did any of our quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think going through that competition is great. I, has that – how has that shaped him? I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's helped him, you know, helped him learn to compete, learn how to do it at a high level every single day, um, you know, and, and – you know, if you're off days, you're not there, then knowing somebody else can take your job. I mean, that's, you know, there's nothing like the sense of urgency that that creates. And luckily for us, you know, we've got that at a high level in this program at a number of spots, not just quarterbacks. So I think the whole process of the last few years has made him a better player. I think he's grown a lot as a person throughout it. It's been a different experience for him, probably more you know, a lot different than anything he had had athletically in his life before. So I think he's in a great place and I think he's ready to go. It's never happened before where a former OU head coach has gone to another school, but specifically uh, a rival, uh, OSU. Gary Gibbs is doing that. Uh, maybe not as an analyst, but contributor. Um, can you talk about your thought process and any communication that might have gone on there uh, with Gary? Yeah, no, Coach Gibbs and I, we've, we've talked a few times. Uh, he's a, you know, obviously, I, I know a lot about him through Donnie Duncan. Donnie always spoke so highly about him, and we had a couple of conversations. Um, he's, uh, you know, that I'll I'll keep private, but that were were fantastic. Um, he's a great coach. He's one of those guys that you know, if we ever had something open here, that that you know, we would you know love to have back around here. He's got great knowledge of this program, great knowledge defensively with all of his stops, but was just. Uh, you know, it was a time and place where it just wasn't the right thing here. And uh, as far as, you know, the rest of the staff that we had. So no ill will, no bad blood. You know, he wanted to get back in the game. And I shoot, I get it. He's, he's too good of a coach to not be. So I've got nothing but respect for him. I know he'll do a great job wherever he's at. Bit of a broad question for you, Lincoln. But uh, just wanted to get your perspective on how you keep a program. You're in your second year now as the head coach here. How you keep a program operating at the top, top level? Uh, consistency, whether it's uh, in the administration or on your coaching staff, you know, building that consistency. How do you move, move forward and want to keep Oklahoma kind of where it is, competing for championships every year? Yeah, you know, you got to do everything well. I mean, it's, it's to me, it's really that simple. I mean, if you have any any leakage, any holes in your program at any part, it's going to show up at some point, and especially when you look at all the great programs that we're competing against, and uh, so. I think for us, it's starting with recruiting, and it started by, and it starts with developing our players, and then I think everything else goes from there. Um, we're lucky that we're at a place where we can have a lot of continuity with our coaching staff and our overall staff. You know, and uh, you know, Joe, our administration, uh, our president, um, they have, uh, 
done a great job of backing this group and, and allowing us to keep the same people, to reward people for doing a great job. Um, and that, that continuity makes a big difference. So, But I, I've seen it a lot, I would say, in the last year that if you do have any down spots, that it, it, it all shows up. It all comes to the surface at some point. And so you've got to... You got to hire the right people. You got to bring in the right players, and then you've got to develop them and keep everybody on the same page. And uh, I'm excited about the staff we built. I'm excited about the people that we're bringing into this program, and I, I think we're, you know, well on our way to continue to try to take this program higher and higher. On that question, have you thought about uh, if it does ever slip, how you get it back? Do you have to change anything? The reason I'm, I'm writing about Texas today and the way they've fallen off in the last whatever eight years, and how tough it is for your counterpart down there. Uh, in his second year at, in Austin to try to get where you are already? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say anything relative to them. Uh, but, I mean, sure, you always – there's kind of constant checks and balances going on, you know, and always trying to keep your eye on if this happens, how will you react, or if that happens, how you react. And, and look, the margins, it's thin, you know. It's, it's the difference between being – a you know, a, a great 11, 12, 13, 14 win team and being a eight or nine win team a lot of times is very, very little. It's it's so small, especially now, you know, there's so much parity. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, the message always is for us, even though we've, you know, we've been in a good place for the last few years that if we want to, if we want to just at the bare minimum continue to do it or have a chance to take it higher, then it's going to take everything we got and we have got to be razor sharp in every aspect of our program. Comment on uh, your protection, your, your Highway Patrol troopers. How about, do you get to know those guys or anything at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Chandler and Orr, they've uh, they're kind of with us every step of the way. Not only not only me, but really our whole team. You know, they've uh, they kind of just become part of our family here. They they take care of us, take care of our guys. Um, you know, they they come to our Thanksgiving meals. They spend, they're just, they're just a part of our team. And uh, we appreciate what they do. They put themselves in the line of danger for us. Um, they take care of our guys, take care of me, and, and uh, just very appreciative for what they do and, and uh, everything that they do for our team. Back to uh, John's question. When you look at uh, what you've done on signing day, what you've done on the day of the spring game, you're, you're a coordinator and a head coach. And when you say you have to do everything well, it seems like you might have reinvented your own job as something bigger than your predecessor. Do you worry about putting too much on your own shoulders when you have to do everything well? Uh, it's something I'm, I'm aware of. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you got to be able to look back, you know, on your football team and say, you know, what can each person do, you know, to make us better and what is the best situation for this team to be successful? And uh, so that's what I've that's what I've tried to do with with my job, with everybody else's job, is just you know get the right people in the right places, and uh, you know certainly you you you've got to be careful about spreading yourself thin, and that's why you've got to hire great people, and uh, and we have. I mean, there's a lot of jobs you know within our organization that I'm not very hands on with that I don't need to be because I've got people there that I that I fully trust and that do an elite job with it, and so. Uh, I think each year that continues to evolve. I think you continue to learn more, but um, you've got to be, you've got to understand everything. You've got to oversee everything. But as a head coach, you certainly can't do everything. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at SoonerSports.tv/podcast. 
and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. 